0: Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series held on April 4, 2018, focusing on what Treasury should be doing today in light of federal tax reform. The panelists for the webcast were Ken Kuykendall, a PwC tax partner and our services leader, Krishnan Chandrasekhar, a PwC tax partner focusing on transfer pricing issues, Rebecca Lee, a PwC tax partner focusing on international tax and financial transactions issues, and Eric Cohen, a PDBC advisory partner focusing on treasury consulting. This podcast excerpt consists of a discussion among the panelists, providing a general overview of how tax reform is impacting corporate treasury functions. Take a listen. Why don't we go ahead and jump right in
1: and start to look at How tax reform looks through the lens of a corporate treasurer. And Eric, I'm going to come to you first and just maybe give us perspectives from your view looking broadly across the treasury function. Sure, thanks, Ken. So I would start with this is a great opportunity for tax reforms presenting a great opportunity for the corporate treasurer. If you think about all the common objectives that a corporate treasurer has, it's around optimizing cash and liquidity, it's driving cash flow, it's securing low cost funding, it's um, improving working capital. All of those things, mitigating financial risk. If you think about the tax reform, it could impact all of those with, you know, lower tax rates, the interest uh, expense deduction changes, the mandatory repatriation of cash. All of those are going to lead to access to more cash, improved or increased cash flow. So if you break it down into the, the four different areas where treasuries could be involved in. First is the, the strategy component, and there's, there's really some interesting dialogue going on around you know, could there be some more uh, M&A activity and so forth, and what's Treasurer's role there? Two is around uh, you know, investments. Where do you invest? And potentially, this could be a great opportunity to invest in, in Treasury technology, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Financing is another big bucket where if you think about capital structure changes or, or global cash management, Cash pooling, all of these are impacted um, by the tax reform, and treasurers need to be paying attention. Uh, The third bucket is around organization and people. And this this is a really interesting one, as if you think about the reform, there's potential for things to shift to the U.S., And if so, well, what does that mean from a treasury organization standpoint? What does that mean from a cash flow perspective? So those play big. And then lastly, on the operations side, there could be a a shift in manufacturing or distribution or IP. All of these relate to your supply chain, which back to a treasurer's point of view, changes your cash flow profile. So all of these things, things we've brought up previously going through the tax reform readiness series and trying to piece them all together, and they all directly impact what's going on in the Treasury space. So, so very topical to sort of go through this, but that's what strikes me when I sort of look at, at the points you've got out there. So, yeah, so basically treasurers have – there's lots of optionality here, and it's a matter of getting into the detail um, to figure out well, what's best for your particular situation. So with that, I'm going to pass it on to Rebecca to talk a little bit about what's going on today. What are we seeing
2: And I love this topic in part, and we spend a lot of time working together on this. What we're seeing today from an overall how folks are responding, it's very tactical to date. And I'm incredibly sympathetic, particularly to the tax professionals who may be coming out of Q1 or year-end close, having to do their first post-tax reform financials. There's a lot of basic blocking and tackling that had to go on. So if we sort of do things in order First things first, calculating your toll charge estimates, uh, particularly for clients who are calendar year, having your toll charge year, for cal- even for clients who are fiscal year and having to come up with estimates for their close of their quarter. In and of itself, that took a huge amount of data importation from Treasury, figuring out, for example, and I'm not We've done a lot of webcasts on this topic. What are your cash positions? And really getting into the weeds of what is Treasury invested in and what do I need to understand about their investment portfolio so that I can do the right calculations? The second, and this gets into a really interesting area, is the interaction of Treasury, FPNA, accounting, and tax. Because a lot of what companies were doing after they got through the nitty-gritty technical analysis of working through their toll charge calculation is – what does this do about my projections? And what does this do about my future um, effective tax rate? And what do I need to be thinking about? Conversations in the last, I'll call it month and a half, two months, have shifted from the basics of calculating what this new world looks like to what am I going to tell the street fundamentally? Then there was the mechanics of actually closing the books, which um, every year I get closer and closer to that process, and I see what an unbelievably heavy lift it is for folks, and the amount of data-heavy, data-rich analysis has to go on, um, which I think if you had asked me a decade ago, I thought it was kind of magic that sort of, of course, you have great accounting numbers, and then you just make your M1s, and you're done. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Then... From a Treasury standpoint, there's been some really tactical sort of activities that I think have gone on so far. We see some folks contemplating what they can do around their pension plans and whether there's very tactical things that they want to do around either accelerating deductions, accelerating payments. Um, Some companies might have found themselves in the potential for an underfunded obligation, and this was an opportunity to do some great things from a catching up standpoint that happened to be good Mm -hmm. from a tax standpoint as well. Um, The beginning of conversations around repatriation, particularly for toll charge earnings. So basic blocking and tackling for a lot of companies was I have this massive investment portfolio offshore that's comprised, I don't want to say entirely, but predominantly of things like treasury securities, money market, mutual funds, and other stable value assets. And there was a desire to say, okay, if I have already now suffered the toll charge and I've calculated it, I just want to pull all those investments home. And and we'll get to it in a second about how treasurers are thinking about globally managing their operations. But there's been a lot of focus on this idea of, I can take those investments, which were sitting under a non-U.S. company, and now that the barriers are off, I can just pull them back onto my U.S. balance sheet, which will do some nice things from a securitization standpoint, from uh, what I post for collateral, creditworthiness, and some other items. Um, and people are starting on the process of looking at where their debt capacity is, whether they should borrow in the U.S. or whether they should borrow offshore. In fact, in one of our earlier webcasts on uh, previously taxed income, um, the number one response in the question of what are you going to do with your toll charge earnings was we're going to restructure our debt in some fashion. Maybe not pay it off, but definitely think about restructuring it. So that that handles tactical. Let's touch on strategic. Um, what well, at least honestly, what I haven't seen a lot of yet are these more strategic conversations where treasury and tax are zooming out a little bit and saying, okay, corporate treasurer, if you had a blank sheet of paper and we're redesigning how you think of cash deployment globally, where your needs are, what would make life easier, what would make you more profitable, give you a higher return on investment, uh, save you bank fees, all these other wonderful things that I understand corporate treasurers care about. Um, Folks haven't, Engage in that exercise yet of really stepping back and figuring out what their fundamental needs are. And a lot of that, and we'll use some uh, case studies in that vein. We'll talk a little bit about cash pooling. We'll do some other micro case studies. But one of the challenges has been getting the treasurers, uh, and I say that as a tax person, I know it's biased, um, <laughs> getting, getting tax and treasury to come together to say, what do we want our future state cash pooling liquidity management to look like? Um, and what do we? where do we view our significant risk, for example, from a foreign currency standpoint, and if we held our cash and assets differently, could we mitigate that before going to external sources to hedge?
1: Yeah, and I wonder, Rebecca, I mean, as I'm listening to you describe it, this is something we've talked about even in the, in the context of our tax colleagues here, but if you go down the list of things impacted from a treasurer's lens, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about this in the tax context as well, but query of one of the reactions for someone in the space is there's so much being impacted that there's a bit of a freeze on yep. where do I start? Yep. Because so many things are being talked about. Mm-hmm. If I'm a treasurer, how do I prioritize? And I don't know, Eric, if you want to talk about that, you know, this movement between tactical and strategic, it's easier to go to tactical when there's so many things to do, you just go into the trees. And, and, and it's starting. It goes back to Rebecca's. The companies right now, they want to close the books, right? It's that right. time of year, right. getting all that stuff done, buttoned up the conversation is starting to shift to be more strategic and to start thinking about, well, what are those levers that I can pull to potentially identify some opportunities around, whether it's uh, uh, redesigning cash pools or, or look, relooking at hedging programs or potentially even organizational shifts? You know, Those are, are massive undertaking, and it's going to take time to get that conversation going.
2: And where does technology take hours out of the system entirely? So if we think about this in the context of maybe, be having extra cash and, and now some incentives to make CapEx investments. There may be, we're thinking about headcount. Do I have people sitting in the Netherlands or the UK or somewhere else? There are some hours that may straight up just come out of the system entirely if I use technology to fill roles that right now are being filled by Treasury personnel making manual transfers. And if I kind of pause on the change agility aspect of that for a second. There's a people management issue associated with massive organizational changes, changing the where your footprint is. Those are real people with real jobs, and there are skill sets even beyond Eric's skill set in the advisory space to just help organizations deal with the people side of making fundamental changes.
1: And just one thing to add to that, I think it's really important, you know, it's It's who's driving this. There's a tax element. There's a treasury element. There's a finance element. There's a legal element. All of these things have to come together. So we'll talk about that as well. Yeah, I think it's great.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please email the participants whose email addresses can be found in the description of this episode.